Have you ever been watching one of those suspense movies with someone who's already seen it? (laughs) And you know, every time something major is about to happen, they kind of look over at you and go, right? Or or they say, wait, you don't want to miss it. Wait, pay attention. Remember this. You're going to want to know this, right? I don't like those people. (laughs) I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then somebody comes in the middle of the movie and says, Oh man, you will never guess how this ends. The guy, dot, 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 right? You say, Oh, I just want to sit and enjoy this movie. Am I the only one who's never seen it? You know, we love suspense, don't we? We, we love uh, having that feeling of, of kind of uh, excitement mixed with anxiety. It's fun to see on the, the screen. And, and you know, sometimes people get really edgy or obsessive about it. But I have to tell you, I enjoy it. I enjoy the not knowing. I enjoy just sitting there and going, wow, that was pretty good what they just did there. I, I like that. I love it as a genre. But, you know, I, I could do without that kind of drama in real life. Couldn't you? We want peace in our lives. We, we, we want to know what's next, right? I mean, not knowing the outcome of a situation or, or a problem causes us to live lives that are filled with stress and anxiety every day. And I, I wish we could just sit next to somebody in life who would say, watch what happens, just wait. I know, I know you think, oh, it can't get worse, but just wait. Just a second. Something's about to happen. Or, and don't worry, we're only halfway through. You, don't lose hope now. Wouldn't it be great to have a little predictability when it comes to the big things in life? You know, when, when I say predictable, I'm not talking about having a boring life. I'm not talking about never experiencing something that isn't planned out. But I sure would like to know how all this life turns out and how to avoid the potholes. You know, one of the things that I love about a relationship with the Lord is that he's predictable. Life can be unpredictable, but our God, he is faithful, he is steady, he is trustworthy, he's reliable. He's the guy that's sitting on the couch next to you saying, don't worry, I got this. Oh, just wait. You will not believe how this ends. And the Old Testament is filled with examples of how God did that for his people and how he remained a predictable God. You know, a a couple weeks ago at the building dedication, we looked at at Solomon's uh, uh, declaration when he was uh, uh, dedicating the temple. And he said... Uh, to them, he gave them very clear directions on, on how we can take that suspense, how we can take that uncertainty out of life. He said, honor God, and you will be honored. Dishonor God, and you're going to have trouble. Remember, uh, it says in First Chronicles 7, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right, and seek my face, man, I can do an amazing work in your life. I can heal your land. 
And you know, for me, that sermon began a personal journey of reading through some of these accounts that came after that in Chronicles. Of, of the nations that were blessed and cursed. The kings that rose and fell. And let me tell you something, it is very messy. The kingdom of Israel was soon divided in two, and, and Judah uh, was to the south, and Israel was to the north. And they didn't follow Solomon's advice. They fought, and they bickered, and they were defeated. And they were no longer that, that unified reflection of what God had set them out to be. And the people suffered as one king put up an idol and one king tried to take it down. One king would honor God and obey his word and then the next would totally mess it up. The kings that we're going to hear about today were exactly opposites in that regard. Jehoshaphat was a guy, he was the king of Judah. And he wanted to please God with his life. He wanted to honor God in everything he did. But he had some areas of growth that needed to occur in his life. Amen, anyone, right? I can relate to that. That's me. Man, I want to honor God, but I got, I got some work to do. Ahab was the king of Israel, and he was none of that. He made decisions his whole life based on dishonoring God. He would go out of his way to dishonor God. He was one of the most wicked kings in the history of all uh, in the history of these nations. And you know, I, I think that most of us would say, "Yeah, I, I'm like Joe. I, I'm probably going to call him that, so get used to it. Jehoshaphat. I, I'm like Joe. I want to honor God. I want to make decisions that are in line with Him. But how does that happen? How can He take that uncertainty, that suspense, out of my life?" Well, since we're getting rid of suspense in this message, I'm going to start by telling you how the story ends. The good guy wins. He's battered, he's bruised, he's a mess, but he comes out alive and victorious. And the bad guy, cunning and evil, he doesn't make it to the next chapter. Go ahead, you can look. Chapter 19, his name's not there. We're going to look at Second Chronicles chapter 18. And during a time of peace, Ahab presents Jehoshaphat with a question. It was one of those, should we or shouldn't we? Should we do this or shouldn't we? How, how is it going to turn out? We've got to plan. We've got to figure it out. We've got to look ahead. We have a lot of those conversations, right? Should we buy this house or shouldn't we? Should we go to this college or, or shouldn't we? Should I take this job or, or shouldn't I? Should I marry this person or should I run? Right? I never had that question, by the way. <laughs> the question here is, should we go up and try to take back the city of Ramoth Gilead from their enemy, Syria? Should, I, should we together... This was kind of unprecedented for, for them to be on the same page about something, Israel and Judah. Should we go up and try to take back the city that belongs to us? And because of this account, we discover that the Lord can take the suspense out of our lives when we're listening to the right people. The Bible calls it discernment, and it starts by looking beyond our, our baggage. 
We often come to, to problems and questions and the unknown with, with kind of a set of preconditions, right? This is a part of my life, or this is a decision that I've made in the past, so I'm going to take that into consideration when I'm making my next decision. You know, we may not go through all of that in words, but subconsciously, we do. It affects us. And it's called baggage. And Joe had some of his own. Jehoshaphat, right? I, just going with Joe. And, and he's about to make a bad decision based on several things in this passage. The first one was, was his alliances. His son was married to Ahab's daughter. And he did that on purpose. He said, you know what? If I'm going to try to bring these two groups back together, maybe, maybe that can be accomplished by marrying my kid off to a wicked king's family. What? <laughs> it's so important as, as we help our kids grow up that, to help them to make wise decisions about the people they marry and, and the consequences that come when you disregard that. Jehoshaphat was, was going to make a bad decision based on flattery. Ahab basically threw him a big party. He, he was feeding Jehoshaphat's desire to be valued, to be validated. Oh man, they must think I'm great over here. Man, I, I think I could work in this environment. I, this would be great. If we could work this to, out, oh, man. Because obviously I'm important. He was about to make a bad decision based on peace. Judah and Israel were for once getting along and not fighting with each other. And he didn't want to endanger that. He didn't want to give that up. And also, in light of that, he he was about to make a bad decision based on his position. Israel and Ahab had become the stronger nation. Jehoshaphat and Judah had become a little bit weaker. We're kind of relying a little bit more on Israel. And so if there was a conflict, if if there was a fight, it didn't look too good for Judah and Jehoshaphat. And you can see this in the fact that that he did whatever Ahab wanted him to do, no matter how detrimental and and actually even life-threatening. He had the guy, uh, Ahab had Jehoshaphat dress up as the king while Ahab kind of hunkered down. So everybody was aiming at him. It was aiming at Jehoshaphat. Doesn't sound like good decisions. These are not things that we need to be basing our decisions on. It clouds the picture. It brings uncertainty. It brings confusion and suspense into our lives. And you know, maybe for you it's not an alliance, it's not a marriage, it's, it's not having peace between families, but I'm sure there is something that affects your decision-making and many times can complicate it. Discernment says, wait a minute, really? Is that really truth? When, when I make this decision, is this something that I'm making it based on what? And remarkably, in the face of all those distractions, with all that baggage, Joe said, we better ask the Lord what he thinks. He said, you, you know what? I, that's great. I like it. It's looking good. But let's make sure to ask the Lord. It's a wise thing. 
He tells us that we should be adamant about right influences. Look at chapter 18, verses 4, verses 4 through 6. It says, Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go up to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? You see, 400 prophets, is, that's a pretty overwhelming majority, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's like, oh man, I'm hearing from God. Everybody's saying this. They talked about how the kings would surely be victorious. They would crush their enemy. And Joe says, no, no. I want a word from the Lord Yahweh. Not whatever it is that, that you're worshiping. See, there was a distinction that you can see if you look at these verses. Joe said, the Lord, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You'll see it in there. That, that refers to a very particular name. It's the covenant name of God. It's the one that Israel worshipped. The one that Israel said, you are the one that I rely, rely on. I can't believe that you would have anything to do with me. You are my God. You are my Lord. You are the Lord. And the prophets tried to slip it by him. They said, yeah, our God said it was okay. What, what was that? Yeah, our, our God said it was fine. No, no, what did you say? Yeah, <clears throat> God said it was okay. You will be good. Jehoshaphat said, I'm not talking about your God. I'm talking about the God. Are we so adamant when seeking counsel for life's major decisions. I want to encourage you, don't settle for conventional wisdom. Don't settle for majority rule. Don't settle for people who are just saying, yeah, I heard from God and God said this. Go ahead, do it. God already knows the ending. It's not a surprise to him. Why don't you just ask him Why don't you just let God speak? Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may, we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. That's what Ahab said. I don't like him. Because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. His name is Micaiah, the king of uh, Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. What are you saying? If he's a prophet of the Lord, you better listen to him. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encouraged the king. Hey buddy, everybody's on the same page about this. So just add your two cents and get going. Agree with them. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. <laughs> and Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. Wow. 
You know, Ahab had been selective about who he had around him to advise him. He was very particular not to have a true prophet of the Lord anywhere near him. It took a while for this guy to get in the same place as all the other prophets. He says, oh, he never tells me what I want to hear. So we just don't get along. We don't see eye to eye. You know, Paul warned Pastor Timothy and us about this in 2 Timothy 4.3. He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to listen to truth. They're not going to tolerate what I have to say, what God has to say. Uh, it doesn't matter. But wanting to have their ears tickled, it's just a way of saying they hear what they want to hear. They will... This is, This is human nature. This is what we do. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Man, I don't like what he said. Let me go over here and see what he has to say. See if I like that better. Don't we come to the Lord that way sometimes? Do we honestly want to hear from him or are we just acting spiritual so that others will join us and affirm us? Even the messenger who went to the prophet of the Lord said, hey, everybody else is saying go for it. For your own good, just agree with them. We like to be right. We like to have good ideas, don't we? Are we willing to lay down our good ideas to hear God's plan? You know, if we keep ignoring God's truth because it's uncomfortable for our lives, be careful. If we're constantly hearing from God's servants in your life that things need to change before it's too late, be careful. When you hear truth and don't like it, be very, very careful. Because the result of just hearing what you want led Ahab to his death. It led him down a path I don't want to go. And that's what discernment is all about. In Proverbs chapter 2, this is a proverb written by Solomon, the the father of some of these guys here. And it's addressed to my son in verse 1. In verse 4 he says, For if you seek her, if you seek discernment as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, if you say, oh man, I just want to know the right way. I just want to know God. Be, Be clear in my life. I need to hear from you. I'm seeking to to know you, first, this is what's going to happen. If you seek for this treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. And if anybody knew that, it was Solomon. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He says, first and foremost, before you get into the details, make sure that you're right with him. Make sure that you understand his plan for your overall life. Make sure that you're certain about eternity. And then, he says in verse 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. He says, you know what? If your relationship with God is right, then you're going to have a whole lot clearer perspective about the right path to take. Ultimate discernment 
begins with a relationship with the Lord. And then it's that relationship with everything and everyone around you that becomes clear. You know, cutting out a lot of the suspense, the uncertainty in life is listening to the right people. It's discernment. And when we try to take out the uncertainty in our own lives, we get into trouble. When we try to find the smooth path, the the one that won't make very big waves, man, the storms that come from that, right? But when we listen to the right people, when we listen to God and his word and his servants, it takes a lot of the guessing out of life. We're going to see that played out in Micaiah's example, the, the true prophet of God. He showed us that taking the suspense out of life means that we are believing the end result without knowing the details. Let me say that again. It's believing the end result without knowing the details. Maybe a word that would kind of sum that up is confidence or faith. I don't know about you, but if, if I was Micaiah, I'd probably be a little nervous with the message that he was about to deliver to the king. Man, you, you can read it for yourself, but kind of to sum it up in verse 22, <laughs> Micaiah says to the king, the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. <laughs> he says, buddy, you can go, but you're not coming back. And if I was Micaiah, I'd be tempted to say, God, did, did I hear you right on that? You know, are you sure you want me to tell this to the king? I mean, you know, he's the king. And can you imagine Jehoshaphat sitting there hearing this? You know, God was wanting to spare Jehoshaphat from what was to come. But for some reason, he doesn't heed the warning from the Lord. I mean, it's as clear as day. When you hear from the Lord, you can dwell in confidence. I love the the confidence that he has, that that Micaiah has in the word of the Lord. And you know, we're not talking about foolish confidence. We're not talking about political confidence. I mean, how many politicians this past season said, I'm confident that I'm going to win this election? At least half of all those candidates were wrong. Right? That's not confidence. We're talking about bedrock, foundational, can't crumble confidence that only comes from someone who already knows the results. And here are some of the great responses from Micaiah that shows his confidence. Look at, at chapter 18, verses 23 and 24. It says, Then Zedekiah the son of somebody, no, (laughs) went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? He said, um, he's uh, kind of a different translation is, how did the spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you? He said, I'm the guy who speaks for God. Who are you? And Micaiah said, "Um, you're going to know who I am on that day when you enter your inner room and hide yourself. That's what it says. It says, when the king comes back dead, 
you're not going to have your job anymore. You're going to be proven wrong and you're going to be ashamed of your words and you're going to hide as quickly as you can. Man, that is some confidence in what God had to say through his servant. Deuteronomy 18, 22. One of my favorite verses, if if you were in my Awana class, man, this this was one of the tops. I love this verse. It says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. It says, God's word always, without a doubt, every time comes true. So if he says something and it's not true, <laughs> are you kidding me? Who is this joker, right? It says, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. He's presumed on God. He said, yeah, this is what God said. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. You shall not be afraid of him. Don't worry about what he has to say. Just mark him off your list. And consequently, the opposite is also true. If what the prophet speaks comes true, constantly, continually, time after time, you better listen up to what he has to say. You should be afraid of him and and not fearful, but, oh man, I'm hearing from God here. This is important. I better listen up. Look at this other example that, that, uh, of, of Micaiah's confidence when he speaks to the king in, uh, in verses 25 through 27. Then the king of Israel, Ahab, said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Here's my word, here's my declaration. Put this fellow in prison. And feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return. Just give him just a little bit. Just enough to survive. I'm going to punish this guy. I'm going to show him who's boss. And Micaiah says, this is great. Micaiah says, if you ever return in peace, if you come back, the Lord hasn't spoken to me. He says, I am sure without a doubt you're not coming back. And he said, Take heed, all you people. He says, watch, wait for it. You will see God act. You will see God's word confirmed. And remember this. He dwelt in confidence. He knew the word of the Lord was trustworthy. Romans 10 verse 11 says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed will not be put to shame. If you say, yes, God, I believe your promises to me. I believe what you said about my life. He's not going to let you down. Wow. Do we have that kind of confidence, that kind of faith in God's word? Not only can you dwell in confidence, but when you hear from the Lord, you can have peace in spite of difficulty. You know, there's certain verses in the Bible that drive me nuts, okay? You know what I mean? Because it exposes my need for growth every time. I see it and I say, really? And one of those verses for me is Romans 8, 28. 
And we know that, all thi- that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And everybody said, Amen! Right? <laughs> Amen! But do you know what you just said? That God can take your biggest struggle and bring glory to his name. That, that God can take a natural disaster and pour out blessings because of it. That God can take the death of a child and bring life from it. Man, that's tough, isn't it? You know, like Joe, we know it in our head. We've heard it. We know that it has to be true. We've even seen it. But we just sometimes can't seem to trust that it's truly, really, really true. Man, if we had that kind of confidence in the Word of God and what He has to say to us, it would change everything. Because when we do that, we take the suspense, we, we take the unknown out of life. And it doesn't mean that we know all the details, it doesn't mean that we know all the ways that God is going to work it out. But we put our confidence in Him that He indeed will accomplish what He said He would. God doesn't go back on his word. Jesus said to his disciples, concerning the the darkest time in his human life, in, in John chapter 16, verse 32, he says, Behold, an hour is coming and already has come for you to be scattered, each to his home. He's speaking to his disciples and he's saying, You know what? You're going to leave me. You're not going to trust me. You're not going to trust that what I have coming is better than anything. And you're going to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. He says, these things, listen, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. He says, when all this happens, when you start running for your home, know that I've got it under control. When your world looks like it's falling apart, Know that he's got it under control. He says, in the world, you will have tribulations. You're going to have difficulty. It's going to be tough stuff. But take courage, because I have overcome the world. And he uses that, that phrase, in this world, because he's telling us, he's exclaiming to us, that there will be an end to our struggle. There will be victory. Find peace in that. You know, I I already told you how the story, this story ends. But I didn't tell you all the details. Ahab tried to disguise himself and had Joe dress up as the king. I don't want to be the focus. And the king of Syria, he, he said to, to everybody, his warriors, to all the chariots, everybody, and it's, it's in here in this passage, only go for the king of Israel. Only go for the king. <laughs> Not good, Joe. Right? 
And when everybody was coming at him, when his world was falling apart, when he was in danger of his very life, Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord. It says, and he helped him. It's incredible. You've got to take some time to read it. That's not the end. You know, as they were as uh, they were being diverted away from the king because of the Lord's help, an archer randomly just shoots an arrow and, gra- and, and he, he gets a, a warrior in the joint of the armor, the weak spot in the armor, so that the arm could move. He got him right there. And that warrior was none other than King Ahab, the guy who had dressed up, the guy who did everything in his power to, to control the situation. He did everything he could to make sure that, man, I got this covered. No matter how this goes, if it's good or bad, I'm okay. He doesn't make it. When God speaks, it will be accomplished. You know, Jehoshaphat made a mess. Uh, made a mess. He listened to all the wrong people. He didn't leave the details to God regardless of what he could see. He could have made a decision and said, you know what, I'm going to listen to the word of the Lord no matter what, no matter if there's war, no matter if there's, there's, uh, I'm having trouble with my family, no, no, all of those things. It doesn't matter. If I hear from the Lord, I'm going to obey him. He could have done that instead of making excuses. And it almost got him killed. And we say, oh, Joe, man, seriously. I mean, it was right there. He told you all about it. He laid it out for you. What more could he do? You know, write it down, bind it in leather, and, oh. (laughs) We have the word of the Lord right in front of us, right here as a guide for our lives. And we say, oh, God, couldn't you just write it in the sky? Tell me which direction to go. Man, if, if, if Jehoshaphat had said that and it was recorded in here, we would have looked at that and we, said that, we would have said, come on, really? How, how much more do you need? He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. But there came a point of realization for Jehoshaphat. It was one of those duh moments, right? Where everything becomes clear, where, where everything suddenly, oh, man, what did I do? And he cried out to the Lord. When his very life was in danger, when everything was falling apart, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord helped him. God delivered him from his own mess. Has he ever done that for you? <laughs> yeah, man, I deserve the deep consequences for my actions and for my decisions. You know, it was my own mess. And then suddenly, the Lord steps in, right? Wow! He takes care of it. Do you know what Jehoshaphat does next? After he sees that resolution to his problem, After he goes, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life. I don't want to go back there. The beginning of 1 
I'm sorry, chapter 19. After a sound scolding by another one of God's prophets, that prophet said, you know, God's not done with you. He still has a plan for you. Are you ready for it? Will you do it? Man. If you are here, God is crying out to you, saying, I'm not done with you yet. You know, I don't know the mess that you're in right now. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's a small, small one. Maybe there's a decision that's coming before you. But God is saying, I'm not done with you yet. Go out and do what I created you for. Look at verse 4 in chapter 19. It says, So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim. He, it, was, it was kind of a, a terminology, kind of like we say, from sea to shining sea, right? Was, uh, that, that covers everything in America, right? Except for Alaska and Hawaii, but they don't count. <laughs> he was saying... You know, from, from Beersheba to the hill countries of Ephraim, he covered the whole territory. And this is what he did. Sounds a lot like our Thailand team. He brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. He set an example for them. He went to them and he said, man, you got to listen to the word of the Lord. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Let's get on the same page with him. Listen to the word of the Lord. You know, our predictable God wants to take the suspense out of your life. Oh, that we would listen to his voice. Can you believe the results without knowing the details? Can you trust him? It's what faith is all about. And maybe this is for the very first time, you know. I I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I could make my own way. I thought I could make my own decisions about this. But I I realized I need to trust you and your decisions. Maybe you would say, man, I just made a mess out of this. I mean, really. Nobody else could have gotten into the predicament that I got into. Do you let the Lord speak to you today? He's saying, I'm not done. I'm not done with you yet. Ahab's gone, but you're here. Will you listen? Will you trust? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, in the midst of our mess, that admittedly, we have created. Lord, we come before you and we say, I'm so sorry. I should have listened. I should have obeyed. I I shouldn't have made that decision. I shouldn't have gone that way. Lord, maybe we're facing one of those decisions and, and we just need you to speak into our lives. Did you do that today? Would you speak into our hearts? 